Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker. Really excited. We've got a fantastic guest today, uh, Paul Wright from MoneyQuest in Wollongong. This guy is an absolute legend. Been in the game since 2002, uh, top 100 broker for many years. He's recently uh, won two big awards, Paul, the uh, Regional uh, Office of the Year at the Australian Broking Awards and the Regional Brokerage of the Year at the Australian Mortgage Awards. Um, the show is called The Billion Dollar Broker. And you were telling me just before, uh, you know, you're 50 mil away from actually writing a billion dollars in mortgages. So uh, more than qualified to be on the show. And uh, I'm sure you've got a lot of value to, to give to our listeners today. So I can't wait to jump in and um, unpack it all. Welcome, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Ross. So, yeah, you've, again, being an award-winning broker and uh, what I love to do is just tell us where it started because you started, you know, similar sort of journey to mine back in 2002. So tell me what it was like, you know, how you got into it and, and really a little bit how you got started in the business. Yeah, so my background is that I was with uh, CBA for 10 years. Uh, the last few years I, at CBA, I was doing a, a mobile lending role. And then uh, I spent about 18 months working as a business development manager for Bank of Queensland, uh, who were operating in the broker space. So that's where I started to learn about out the uh, broker market and uh, essentially um, you know one of the brokers that I dealt with encouraged me to move to become a broker because I was only about 27 at the time and obviously had uh, you know the sales and, and banking background and and so uh, yeah I took the plunge and I, with the support of my wife who also was uh, uh, in CBA at the time so um, we sort of uh, went back to one income and uh, started the business from scratch. All right. So, uh, and I love hearing the stories of the early days in terms of how people got in because, you know, like most of us, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds when you first get into the business. So looking back, what were some of the challenges that you faced early on in your career? Oh, the biggest one was lead generation. Uh, I think that, you know, I had, a, because I'd been a business development manager for um, a couple of years I've been out of the market. Uh, so I didn't have a client base to draw upon. So I basically had to uh, go and do cold calling and that's not something that I was overly comfortable with, but you know, it put food on the table and it forced me to get out of my comfort zone. And, you know, um, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today if I didn't go and do that. Oh, exactly. And I think that forcing the comfort zone and, you know, obviously getting to the levels that you've got is something, and I know through my journey as a broker and even starting this business is you constantly running into those comfort zones and it's, you know, we need to push. And sometimes in business, you have to do the things that you don't want to do until you can get to the things that you want to do and sort of knowing your business and knowing sort of how it's structured today you've sort of gone from that and obviously, you know, you've gone in terms of some of the levels. So sort of looking back at, um, you know, a bit of your journey in terms of where you are now, where were some of those crucial points where you did sort of, you know, hit those sort of comfort zones and you really had to push through because I think these are great lessons for, you know, 
brokers sort of as they're growing, what are some of their challenges going to be as they go to scale their business? I think uh, introducing staff to your business is a big one. And I think uh, picking the right time to do that. And it's always a challenge because obviously there's the financial aspect, but it's also bringing, you know, another person into the business and having the trust to pass on some of those tasks that obviously you were doing previously to that staff member is a bit of a challenge. And particularly, you know, I'm a little bit of a control freak and over time I've learned to, um, that it's so important to basically focus on what I'm good at and uh, which is the advice piece and try and pass on, you know, those, what I call the $25 per hour task to other people. And I think that was the challenge that I had for a number of years uh, when I introduced staff to the business. And I think also um, just understanding that, uh, you know, other people can do it just as good and in some cases better than what you can do it, uh, you know, particularly certain tasks in the business. Yeah, I love that. And I think that is a key one that a lot of um, brokers struggle with around sort of letting up that control. And, you know, especially when you get to the point where you're getting more volume than what you can handle. So the service isn't as good as what you were able to once provide. So, you know, we're forced into that position where we're a victim of our success and we need to actually get people in place to do those things. And I love what you were saying in terms of, you know, those people end up actually doing it better than you. And, uh, you know, similar to yourself, I only worked in that sort of front end in the process um, in my business. And I would find myself going to my actual team members and asking them questions around certain things because because they're in it and they become experts and you really create that expert expert team, don't you? Oh, definitely. And I think the big thing that like, you know, in our business now, the staff understand that I've done all the jobs in the business. So I understand what the the hurdles that they, uh, or the, and the challenges that they come across, like dealing with banks, sitting on phones for an hour and a half, things like that. I've been there and done that. Um, obviously, I don't have the, the time to do it now. And obviously, my time is best used looking after clients. Definitely. And I get that question. That's a great um, point you make, right? And I think quite often when we recruit brokers and they haven't had that industry experience, you know, my preference is to get them to actually do um, the whole process for a while from the time from application to at least, you know, unconditional approval. So they get the feeling of everything that can happen on that journey. Um, and obviously, you know, if initially for the first number of deals to have them get that full experience all the way through to settlement. So, you know, from what you were saying, yes, that's what you did. And that's the way a lot of people, but I think, you know, sometimes people try to fast track that a little bit and get them only working on a certain part when then they don't become the best broker because they can't explain to their client in the sales process exactly what's going to happen and have that intimate knowledge of it that only comes from actually doing it. So the fact that, you know, you've been there and done that, it, it makes you a, a far better broker. That's what I think. Yeah. And we still do that in the business now where our brokers that we're bringing along you know, they're learning the ropes um, with regards to understanding all aspects of the business, whilst their focus is obviously on the sales, sales side of it. I think it's really important that they do that whole process for a period of time so that they respect 
the other parts um, of the business, so the other staff members or what's involved and that when they're asking those other staff members to uh, do tasks, that they're giving them quality instruction. You know, for example, you know, if they're giving them a, a document to, um, you know, transfer that information into our software, that that document is fully completed, that it's not, you know, only 70% completed. And I think that's something that's really important uh, as you grow your business to, to make sure that, um, the brokers respect the admin staff because their role is just as important as ours. Because if if uh, the client's not looked after and the services, um, you know, not provided to the client by the support staff or the information that's put into the software is not accurate, for example, that impacts, um, you know, on your broker business. So I think that's uh, a really important thing that I've focused on to treat all our staff, you know, the same. Uh, and, you know, there's no hierarchical in our business as such. Obviously, you know, my role is to, to run it and manage it, but ultimately, you know, everyone has this, should have the same respect um, for each other. And, you know, working together, I think, is really important that if someone needs assistance in the business, that someone else can step in and help. Oh, definitely. And, you know, for the environment that that creates in your business and is, is amazing. And it's those, you know, sometimes when you get in these high volume businesses like yours, Paul, and like, um, you know, mine was, it becomes a little bit like a sausage factory in some aspects of those roles because there is so much volume and it's so constant for people working those roles. And you know, one of the things that we always used to do in, in our daily huddles is really bring it back to, well, what's the reason that we're doing it? What's the client's why? Is it to sort of, you know, get into their first home or upgrade into their sort of dream home or, you know, to create that sort of wealth for, for their retirement that we get the pleasure of doing as the salesperson where, you know, the, the uh, admin support is a step removed from that. So it's, you know, bringing back in terms of those client wins and what we're actually doing, the difference that we're making in a client's life and explaining that they're part of that journey to actually make it happen. They're not just moving a widget from here to here, that they're actually adding true value to, to the clients and what we're trying to get them to achieve in their business, in, in their um, life. So it's, um, it's great in terms of building that culture and that respect in your team. I love that. I love that. And in terms of, you know, customer is huge for you. And this is one of the areas that I really wanted to um, touch on in, in terms of, you know, what you, the, the service that you provide, because that's critical. And you even go a step further and go into education. So I really wanted you to just sort of expand on what are some of the areas that you're doing to sort of not just be a transactional broker, but for really provide that full service to, to your clients. Yeah, well, I think it, I mean, it all starts, um, you know, with the, the client experience starts at the very first step. And, you know, it's even, you know, when I look at our business, um, you know, for example, the premises that we, we purchased and that we operate out of today was all about making sure that there was, you know, parking on site for our clients. So that client could um, park right at the door and be in the office within a very short period of time. So, so what I've always done with that client side of things is always looked at how can we improve that client experience and make, make it um, better for the client. And a big part of that is that education piece. And, 
So um, a lot of you know what we do is around making it easier for the client, um, but also educating them around um, the you know different product options, obviously, but also around property investment. I'm actually a qualified property investment advisor, so a lot of what we do uh, with annual reviews, for example, is to um, have a look at a client's financial position, and you know if they're interested in property investment, I'll obviously uh, spend time with them, educating them on uh, you know how to set up uh, finance. Uh, to buy uh, obviously investment properties and build a portfolio. And, and obviously we, we engage with other industry professionals to help with that. Uh, we run first home buyer and investment seminars, which we've done for many years. And that education piece for that first home buyer is I think really important. Uh, it's, it's very interactive and we've been doing that uh, for quite some time. And, you know, our client base now is that, you know, new business would be 25 to 30% is first home buyer. So obviously in the current market, uh, we're incredibly busy. Definitely. And, um, you know, given all the government incentives around at the moment and, you know, record low interest rates and being in a place like Wollongong where, you know, the demographics is really well suited to first home buyers. It's, um, you know, it's a real key market. And in terms of obviously the education piece and, you know, educating the clients, but you also, at the same time, you're educating your staff and, the, you know, they're becoming experts in those first-home buyers. So in, in terms of when you do those first-home buyers, you know, what percentage of people would be ready to go now and what percentage will come back in the future, would you say? Oh, I would say around 70% would be ready to go with 30% uh, obviously wanting to find out what's involved in obviously buying their first home. And I think with the, if we talk about first home buyer seminars, you know, a lot of them are not ready at all. So it's probably, you know, in that audience, it's, it's around 90% not ready immediately. Um, but obviously my first uh, home buyer actually appointments would be 70% they're ready to go now. So the first home buyer uh, education sessions that we've run, I think that the thing that they do is they introduce people to our business. So straight away they start to see our brand and what it's about and, and how we're there to support them. And I think it's, um, you know, when they uh, obviously then engage with us to do get their first home loan, they're better prepared. And uh, so that's why I think when people come and see us for that actual appointment, a lot of them are ready to go. Oh, definitely, definitely. They're um, they're qualified, they're ready to go. They know what the expectations and they've seen you. And just the fact that you're out presenting gives you that authority um, that people have that trust in you to, to do business with you. You know, in our business, we, you know, run many first home buyer um, events and you can bring in, you know, the local professionals being local agents, um, solicitors, conveyances, et cetera. And then more recently, um, we did a, a monthly seminar and we, we ran one you know, every month for, for three years and had buyers agents involved. And you know, that became a real key source of business for us. So you mentioned um, your property investment seminars and the education. So what are some of the results or some of the wins that you've seen from clients you know, from providing that education? Well, I think from when I look back to when we started the business, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of clients who had investment properties. We now have some clients who own as many as 10. And so we've been involved in that journey where, you know, um, many clients have gone from having 
uh, one piece of real estate to owning multiple. And I think that's something that we're, we're very proud of. And, you know, that's put people in a better financial position. And some of them have used property investment, you know, as a vehicle to be able to help pay their home loan off, you know, by building a portfolio, then perhaps, you know, selling one of their properties that's, um, you know, created a lot of equity for them. They sell it and they um, are able to either reduce or pay off their home loan, which again, puts them in a, a far better financial position and helps them with uh, uh, helping to be able to increase their wealth. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, that's a great point. And in terms of, I think, um, again, what I see with a lot of brokers is they're transactional, right? So they focus on the transaction at hand. And the thing I love about your business, Paul, is you're focusing on that 360 degree view in terms of giving them education from a, a wealth perspective. It'll obviously help you know reduce their debt and give them those sort of lifestyle. And in the annual review process that you know we go through is around those things. How can I help them reduce debt? How can I help them create wealth? And how can I help them achieve their lifestyle goals? And I think if people, you know, rather than focus on just getting a rate reduction in those annual reviews and focus a little bit more holistically, similar to what you're doing, I think this makes the difference between a good broker and a great broker because it moves from a transactional relationship to a, a true proper relationship where you care about them and the most important things to them in their lives. So, I mean, in creating wealth, who doesn't want that wealth and that sort of financial freedom? And I know, you know, it's something that you've personally done as well. And I personally do is sort of invest in property. So how important do you think it is for brokers to invest themselves to truly understand, you know, that authentically so they can pass that message on to their clients? I think it's critical. Uh, I actually had this discussion with a, a broker that we brought into the business about three months ago. I had this discussion with him yesterday and um, said that, you know, to go and do his property investment advisors course like what I did. However, one of the key aspects of that is actually buying an investment property yourself so, so that you can understand the process that a client goes through. But also, on, you know, when you're talking to a client, you know, you're using your real life experience. And that, that's been something that uh, I've been able to share with clients and been lucky enough that, uh, as you mentioned, Julie and I have been very lucky to build a portfolio over time, which enables us to, uh, you know, use those experiences and the mistakes we've made along the way. Um, and obviously also the, the wins that we've had. And, and that's um, given our clients a lot of comfort and it's the trust factor, I think. And, you know, I've got no doubt at all that a key reason that I get the level of referrals we do is to do with that investment piece. I mean, like someone might get um, a referral to two different brokers and if they Google it, uh, myself and one other broker, because I've got that proper investment background, I, I quite often, I believe, win the business as a result of that. Oh, exactly. It's um, It gives that credibility, but, you know, also what it does is it gets you actually more referrals. And I found this because if you've got a client with say 10 properties, as you mentioned, they're more of a go-to of who to go to to get their mortgage. And the fact that these clients invest, oh, who do you actually use? And you know, you'll find that you become an attraction business and you'll actually win business from other brokers because, oh, I'm going to Paul because he's an expert in investment, right? And so it gives you a sort of a reason for them to actually change brokers and then to, to come and see you for the finance. And the, yeah, and one of the other big things I actually find is those clients typically hardly ever discuss rate with you. 
You know, they, um, they're more focused on getting that next investment property. Don't get me wrong, you know, everyone wants to obviously have a better deal if they can get one, but ultimately this discussion is not interest rate driven at all. And they're generally the clients who have got the you know, uh, largest level of debt with you. So it's, it's nice that you can have that conversation um, around the holistic side of things rather than just interest rate. Oh, exactly. But if you look at it, Paul, if they've got a million dollars worth of investors, investments, and their, their rate is 1% higher, you know, that's 10 grand. But if their property goes up by, you know, 10% a year, which is expected, you know, a lot of the pundits are saying that's what it's going to go in the next, you know, that's a hundred grand, right? So yeah. no wonder they're not focused on rate. They're focused on, hey, how do I get that next property? So, because I know, you know, and they understand leverage and they understand that any growth in the market is going to far outweigh the difference in interest rates. So it becomes a lot more around what you said before that you're really great at, which is the credit advice piece and you provide that credit advice piece and the structuring to allow them to continue to grow their portfolio. And I think that's the key of being a really good property investment um, lender. So I think that's uh, great advice. Yeah, and I mean, one of the big things we also do that you know, sometimes probably you don't realize it makes a difference. You know, quite often I'll share articles with clients or um, you know, property investment reports that I see that I'll, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with the client, do an initial appointment, and then I'll just share that with them so that they've got some further information. And, and you just, you know, just that little bit of value adding um, that, you know, not everyone does. Exactly. I'll give an example of a, a property and, you know, there was um, something on the top capital, uh, the top rental yield suburbs the other day, you know. So, for example, sh share those and show them, you know, some of the things on realestate.com and what that means, what the repayment would be at, you know, three and a half percent and what the rent is and how that compares on a weekly basis. You know, it's just little things from a, an education point of view. And I think, you know, um, there's a great book that I love called The Challenger Sale, and it talks about challenging and educating your clients in a complex sale. That type of salesperson gets the most and I, um, in terms of conversion. So I think, you know, what you're doing in terms of, you know, the first home buyer education and the, the property investment and then what you do with these annual review phone calls, and I know how... Um, I know how diligent you are at doing that is really providing, you know, not only fantastic customer service, but really that education piece, which I think is, is really unique and um, yeah, well done to you on that. That's for sure. So the next thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, and we, we said that's one of the challenges in terms of, you know, actually growing a business is knowing when to put the, the right people in place and and you know now you've got quite a large team and you've got people doing you know a number of different roles so talk to me what about the key things that you've learned over your sort of experience over the last you know 20 years in the business in terms of growing a team what are some of the sort of nuggets that you'd love to share with the with the audience around that i think uh one of the big things is definitely try and over resource I think uh, always trying to be a step ahead of when you actually need someone. And obviously that sometimes provides financial challenges. Uh, I also think one of the big lessons, and if I had my time again, one of the big lessons I've learned, I would have brought brokers in to the business earlier rather than grow uh, my personal volumes to the level they got to. And I think 
that that reason for that is uh, not that I don't enjoy the advice piece and sitting with a client, but I think being able to also then operate the business um, with writing high volumes is a definite challenge. And so it's very hard to do both. And so I think that one of the big things I would, would have done is probably had more of a focus on um, making other brokers successful rather than myself and, and putting a sort of a support team around me, which I've got a great support team that I've, uh, you know, over the years, but I think that was probably one of the lessons I've learned. And, and you know, obviously, um, with the help of other people, including yourself, Ross, where I've got feedback from you um, in regards to, you know, bringing experienced people in that can take some of that load off, uh, particularly around that assessment and, and credit piece and also around, uh, you know, having those questions from other staff members. So because, you know, obviously I'm in appointments quite a lot, having support staff who have the, the knowledge that other staff members and more junior staff members can go to. So it's just really bringing the right people in so you can share the load. Oh, definitely. And I, I love, you know, there's a couple of key takeaways that, that I got from there in terms of one, in terms of, you know, having that ability and finding out what your passionate about and what the areas that, that you want to do. And in terms of um, for yourself, obviously you, you start as a broker, you got into that role and you stayed in that role. And then you sort of, as you, you know, you continue to get the leads and you want to sort of look after everyone, you get people to support you, which grows you rather than saying, okay, I'm actually going to, you know, give some of these leads and some of these referrals to other brokers and sort of empower them, which in the short term may not, you know, be as successful and as profitable because they're not going to have the same conversion and the same ability. And obviously it takes a little bit of risk because what if those guys leave? You know, so there's some challenges there um, around that. It's not an easy decision. So I can see why that was sort of challenging. Um, and then, you know, around that sort of experienced staff members. And I know we've, we've spoken many times about, you know, the importance of that. And I know in my business, having, even though I was the key business writer and wrote most of the, the loans within the business, I had those key management people, you know, a step below that were super experienced and could handle a lot of the, the information from the processes. So it's about, you know, looking at well, what are the jobs in that business that you actually love doing, uh, that you give you energy and that you're going to be world-class at, and then finding those other experienced people to do those other things. So I think there's some great sort of messages in, in what you're saying there for sure. And, and, and another thing that I have found, Ross, is that people um, are very happy to deal with other staff members if they're well-trained. And also if you... Um, pre-position it at the initial appointment. So obviously a big part of what I do today is purely just that interview part um, where my other staff members deal with the client, you know, for loan signups and things like that. And I think, um, you know, that's just an education process around who's going to be involved in that process. And, um, you know, so the client knows that it's more than just you. And, and I just, uh, you know, let them know that whilst I'm there also to help them, um, I've got a great support team with experience who can guide them along the way as well and answer their questions when I'm not available. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that what you said at the end, answer their questions, that's what clients want, right? They want, they're not looking necessarily to speak to Paul or, or to speak to Ross. What they're looking for is their questions answered. 
right? And if they get their questions answered in a way that satisfies them, they're going to be happy, right? And I think a lot of brokers think, oh, no, they want, actually want me. No, they don't want you. They want the right answers and they can feel if they're not getting experience or an authentic service and, and it's coming from a place of, you know, trust and, you know, quite often and um, you know, when I sit in front of a broker, I can tell would I take a loan from them within a couple of minutes, right? Because it's the authority that they speak with. It's how they speak with it. It's a feeling that you get. Right? And clients get that as well, right? Clients get that. If they're talking to someone that isn't trained, doesn't know what they're talking about, they can pick up that really, really quickly, right? So that's when they're going to want you. But if you have, as you said, really well-trained staff that can give people answers, uh, it's a different story and it's a game changer in your business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So... Any other sort of things around team that, you, that you'd want to share with the audience? Oh, I think training. I think training's a, a massive part of it. And I think we all get really busy and sometimes forget that, um, you know, training is, is critical because this is an industry that obviously there's a lot of changes that happen. And because we do deal with multiple uh, providers, you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, retain all that information. So I think uh, the training of... Um, both new staff members and existing staff members is important. And, and uh, also um, getting your other staff members to come into appointments. I didn't realize how valuable uh, it was for those staff members to sit in on the appointments and see what you actually discuss with the client, even the admin staff. I, I find that the feedback I get um, it, you know, is great with regards to that because they then sort of understand what's involved in the whole process. Oh, exactly. Exactly. They've heard, you know, what you're talking to the clients and how you're explaining and how you're educating them on the journey. So when they come down, okay, what's important, they understand why that's important in terms of what we've, what we've said. And, you know, to us, you know, um, communicating the structure and why we need to do it a certain way makes really a lot of sense. But when it's, conveyed and if it's not conveyed and um, there's somewhere you know I had some challenges in sort of communicating and really making sure that I was getting that handover right to my staff members in terms of uh, because they're not in your head and you need really need a formal process to hand over to them to ensure that they get that information um, correct uh, and I think that's really important so if you can get them in on the appointment they sort of see that and uh, understand it firsthand sure yeah. yeah and the handover as you mentioned i think um doing a, a very good diary note at the end of the appointment and i've been doing that for years for you know pre needing to do it for compliance reasons i've been doing it for many years and i think you know if, if someone can um you know read that diary note and understand exactly what the client's after it just makes them more engaged and and they can also um rather than just working on the file they actually understand like you mentioned earlier that of what the client's trying to achieve it might be buying their first home or buying their first investment property and i think then um rather than just doing the job there's actually a bit of emotion that comes into it as well then definitely definitely and do you do that um uh, handwritten one is that how how you would normally do it? No, I actually voice record. Uh, yeah, so I just yeah. use my iPhone and I do a voice recording, which converts uh, from obviously voice to text, 
and then um, that is shared among the staff members. And we generally share it with the majority of staff members. And the reason for that partly is around education as well, because obviously, you know, every client's different and, and we have different discussions. And because we, you know, constantly have new staff in our business as we're growing, uh, it's really important that they get to see, you know, the different types of loan uh, deals and structures that we're uh, putting together. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that's great and doing it voice and I used to do it voice. And I think a lot of salespeople uh, and a lot of good brokers, are, you know, that sort of dispersonality where they love to talk, um, you know, high eye sort of personality. So to press a record after you've been in a, you know, half an hour, 40 minute appointment and press record and just continue talking for another three or four minutes to really summarize, as I say, not only the structure of the deal, but the emotion of the deal in terms of their why, why they're looking at doing what they're doing and, you know, detailing the structure, you know, it's great for, you know, your team to hear that. And uh, yeah, I think that's really, really good. Really, really good. Some awesome stuff there, uh, Paul, on team. And I think there's some, some great lessons for um, people to take away. The other thing that I'm, I'm really interested in, in hearing uh, about, I know some of you and Julie are passionate about is, is around, you know, what the work that you're doing sort of in the, com in the community and the, the sort of the, the, the broader world in terms of, um, you know, what you like to do. And I think as business owners, um, you know, quite often we're in the best um, positions to be able to give back and to, to serve in a bigger way. So I'd love to hear about what you guys are doing there as well. Yeah, we do a few different things in the community. Obviously, um, I'm big on supporting local to start with uh, because obviously the locals is what's built our business over the years. So, you know, we're, we engage with organisations that we have some form of connection with and, and belief in. And for example, uh, the uh, surf uh, club environment. So one of the surf clubs that our children were involved with uh, many years ago, we uh, uh, major sponsor of their nippers program. So, and, you know, uh, we have a scholarship as well to try and encourage, um, you know, the, children going from nippers into seniors so that obviously we've got you know lifeguards given that uh, obviously Wollongong is a very coastal and you know beach area so that's something that we we really genuinely love to support we also um, support uh, the disability uh, trust and and work with a program there and I think that's again because Julie and I know how fortunate we and our children have been so it's nice to give back to people that don't tend to I suppose be as uh, in a, as comfortable position as us uh, also, uh, one of the, the big things that we're involved in, which is on an international scale, is an organisation called Forever Projects. And this is an organisation that was established by clients of ours who um, actually were wanting to adopt children. And uh, it's very difficult to do in Australia. And so they, um, they're both school teachers, so they decided to take a trip to Tanzania. And I think they spent about four years in Tanzania um, teaching and, and during that process they actually adopted uh, three children and they brought them back to Australia and where they now live however what they actually found over there was that there was a, around 31 children every day that couldn't remain with their family due to obviously poverty and so these orphanages were you know growing and growing rapidly and and so what they did they created this organization along with another lady um, and they basically uh, provide not a handout, but a hand up. So they've, you know, they um, allow 
women, generally single women who don't have the support from a partner um, who normally would have to give up their child um, at birth or just after. Um, they provide, you know, um, the support both financially, but also, you know, food and things like that. And also um, what they do though, over it's a 12 month program. And, and what I love about it is the program is designed and it fits very well in, within what, you know, we all do as brokers, mm -hmm. we're, a, we're small business. Um, and what it does, it actually educates these women to be self-sufficient. So, so it helps them work out, okay, what is the need in their village, for example? So it might be that they, there's a, a need for a fruit store or some clothing or whatever, and they help them establish a business. So they become self-sustaining within 12 to 18 months. So they no longer rely on that handout. We're giving them a hand up. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, uh, to see this charity and the way it's grown and, and a number of um, both local and national businesses are now involved from Australia and we actually provide the funds to support the administration side so every single dollar that is raised through the community is actually going to um, support these families it's not going to pay for staff members of the charity that's actually handled by businesses um, who have obviously want to give back to to um, you know, to others who are in in uh, need. Yeah, amazing, and that's that's great. I've looked into microfinance, and I understand how that works. So, I mean, this is you know similar to that, but you know how powerful, right? When you think that how lucky we are to to live in a country like Australia, where we you know, we take that or, you know, a lot of those things for granted, just being able to spend time, have a roof over our heads and fresh water and food and, um, you know, to to give back to sort of something like that is, is really powerful. And it puts a lot of our, you know, challenges in perspective in terms of um, and what we're doing and keeps us grounded. So I love that. And um, yeah, hats off to, to you and Julie for, for making a difference because, uh, you know, we need more people in the world to, to be like you guys to, to do that. And it would be a better place. That's for sure. Yeah. We, so, we get a lot out of it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I've loved this chat, Paul. The, the thing that I ask all the guests is, um, you know, for a piece of advice for that new broker looking to sort of, you know, get in and looking to really grow and scale a, a mortgage business. What's your sort of one piece of advice in terms of if you know, you're a master who's written, you know, close to a billion dollars of loans, what's, what's one thing that you'd sort of pass on as some sort of up and coming um, broker? Well, I think without a doubt, your number one referral source is your client. So everything you do, focus it around the client. So, you know, obviously um, we in the business here try and make sure that a client does not ring us for an update on where their loan's up to. So it's really important that you're providing clients with regular updates, you stay in touch, um, you know, a month after settlement, every six months after settlement. And I think the big things, big lessons that I've learned, and I, I think that um, it's one of the keys to our success is that we've always stayed in touch with our clients um, post-settlement, but also even those clients that we haven't been able to assist, we've always built our database and put them on our, uh, our contact list so that our, those people who you know, may be prospects now, 
end up converting into a, a client down the track. And I think that's the key thing that, you know, if I was starting all over again, I would make sure that I, I did that from day one, you know, making sure that I keep everyone's records um, and that I provide outstanding service and really focus on that. People talk about it, but actually demonstrating it. And I think that's how you actually um, build a long-term sustainable business. Yeah, love that. I think, and I, I came across a, a, a quote the other day that was saying, you know, your commitment is shown in the actions, right? It's not that I want to create, I want to give great service. It's actually in what is your actions to give that really great service. And I think that's a, a key message in terms of to look at really to take a hard look at your business and say, what am I actually doing? What are the actions that I'm taking in my business that's giving those um giving that fantastic service so paul it's been a pleasure um you you've shared so much and been so uh, gracious with your time and sort of giving back to the community so uh really really thank you for that it's been uh, i've learned a lot and uh take a lot from from this episode yeah so thanks thanks again paul um it's been another episode of the billion dollar broker podcast uh, if you want to subscribe, just press subscribe. So this will come up in your feed on any of your favorite podcast channels. Uh, if you'd like to also join us on the private Facebook page, the Billion Dollar Broker, uh, look to join us there. We'll sort of share updates and really uh, build a community. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, send me a message on one of the socials, either LinkedIn um, or, or Facebook or Instagram. And uh, I look forward to working with you in potentially uh, some sort of coaching capacity. Uh, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.